and we work and then mr steve slammer where are you located right now i'm currently located in the bedroom in the bedroom well this is the slammer bros <laughs> podcast where we try to do simulcasts from two different parts of the country most of the time we do a great job sometimes we get some glitches but lately i have done everything i possibly could to avoid said well, glitches you are tech support sir I am tech support. I'm the producer. I'm the MC. I'm Jack Creator. Slammer. Creator. Mastermind. I wouldn't say the mastermind, but I would say that uh, I'm half the mastermind. So uh-huh. I'm half the mind of the show. With me, as always, is the esteemed guest, Mr. Steve Slammer. Steve, what's going on today, buddy? Not much. It was actually uh, a little bit of an enjoyable day. The Mets were off yesterday, so I didn't have to witness them lose. So that was a nice break for me. And, uh, you know, just sitting here in the, in the bedroom getting ready to talk about the world of professional wrestling. By the way, we are just 11 days, 11 days from the hottest night of the summer. SummerSlam coming up in Las Vegas, and we're going to be meeting up for that. So I'm pretty excited about everything, man. You know what? Here's the thing. The way they are setting up a lot of these matches, especially on SmackDown, you know what? I've, I've come to the realization that what SmackDown is doing really well right now is they are really taking care of their world championship. Because the deal is, you have multiple routes that you can go for the title. You have multiple opponents, multiple storylines, multiple things can happen. The one qualm that I have with Raw, which I actually enjoyed this week. I actually thought it was better than most nights this week. After Goldberg, where do we go from here? Like, what's the plan after this? Because I don't really see anybody. I don't really see anybody on the end of the bench who's going to come in and and freaking pitch a no-hitter once Goldberg is done. And after this... It's, and, and we'll get into it later, but basically with the promo, the beautiful promo that MVP and Bobby Lashley cut, I'm sitting there. Maybe I'm playing fantasy booker at the time, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, how are they going to go about handling this? What are they going to do here? Um, oh, and there's a little bit of an echo on my side. Do you think you could turn down your volume just a little bit? My volume? Yep. I sure can. All right. How's that? That's wonderful. So, Steve, what was your before we before we go into any of that? What uh, before we go into like our deep dive, I should say. What what do you think? What do you think the game plan is post SummerSlam? Do you see any potential options, venues? Because I don't see any for the women's championship in Raw. I'm not seeing a lot of storylines there. When we're talking um, the men's championship, the universal championship, I really don't see anything because I've got a feeling Lashley is going to continue his dominance and just beat the ever-loving shit out of Goldberg. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that uh, what we're seeing is what we've been talking about on the last few episodes and that you have no one that's really rising above the the rest of the, the pack, so to speak. So once we get through... SummerSlam season, that's where are you going? So I think on the SmackDown side, you're obviously going to be going to Finn Balor. On the Raw side, <clears throat> I think I think you have to start working in Big E. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only thing that makes makes sense there. 
and this this might have the feel of Mr. Paul Heyman to it at least a little bit, where he gave him a he gave him a gimme. It's like, hey, what are you doing with Biggie? It's like we're not doing anything. And then I'm sure I'm sure he's like, hold on, hey Biggie, come here. I want you to hold this briefcase. I want you to hold the money in the brief, bank briefcase and give us a laugh because, from what I see. You got three options. You can keep. You can extend Cena because he's gonna be back for a while. You could. You could pull the. You could pull the steel with Biggie, and then Finn Balor. That's the one that makes my nipples fucking hard over at SmackDown right now. Even though we're talking about Raw, but yeah, I mean that's that seems like the misdirect you could pull. Whereas, go. Well, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I agree with you. I think the other wild card that's always out there is the Brock Lesnar card. And I think that Lesnar has natural storylines with both Lashley and with Roman Reigns, obviously through the Paul Heyman connection for Roman and just through the, the MMA uh, connection with Lashley. So, I mean, that's always something that they could pull out if they need to, if they feel like backing up the Brinks truck for an enticing uh, Mr. Lesnar out of the mountains of Minnesota or wherever he's at, but uh, you know, they it, they continue to be hampered by the fact that they just don't have that next level of star. I think Balor is near there right now, but who else is there? I mean, even E's not, Biggie is not in there. It's just by virtue of holding the contract, he's kind of there. Well, yeah, and I mean, we're gonna get into a lot of the fifty-fifty booking decisions that have that continue to plague the company this week. And I mean, even though I thought that Raw, and, and here's what I think happened this week, I don't know if Raw produced a better product or if I produced a better watching experience because most <laughs> of the time, I'll catch it at eight. I'm I'm sitting pretty until eleven p.m. When you do that, it's an hour and a half of wrestling and an hour and a half of commercials and you know offside of this i was like okay the juice is not worth that andy dufresne freaking squeeze when he's crawling through a mile of sewage to get to freedom to get to wrestling it's not worth it to me because the payoff is not there but when i have that fast forward button and i don't have to sit through the commercials and we can cut to one segment right after the other Instead of the daunting task of watching, I believe my DVR said 270 minutes <laughs> total. <laughs> it's more like 120. It's more like 100, and, or it's actually more like 90 minutes of content altogether, end to end, row to row. So, but as I'm watching it. I put my Steve Slammer hat on and I was and I actually was able to predict the outcome of every single match that had happened. Ooh. And when I was able to do it, I was like, well, this guy beat that guy two weeks ago, so they'll probably give him his win back. So boom, there's that. And I'm like, okay, they beat XYZ up last week, so they're gonna give her a win back this week to just level it out. And after a while, what you need is it's this is the same problem that WCW had, they were so used to having all the stars that they had, the Hulk Hogan's, the Randy Savages, and this is this is not to insult or criticize those guys. They were amazing, but Father Time is undefeated. It's going to kick my ass. It's going to kick your ass. Those guys were starting to, to phase out, and then you had this mid-card that was not properly developed. And, what, and the reason why now 
You have to rely on Cena. You have to rely on Reigns. To a lesser extent, you got to rely on Rollins and all these guys from the past was because they were part of the company back when you had to bury some people to elevate somebody else up. And it, that was just the nature of the business. And you, you let the guy who's getting buried know you're going to get it back, but you're not going to get it back immediately. You're going to have to slog your way through the undercard a little bit, but you'll come back. Um, and people back then understood that, okay, well, look, I may not like it, but this is how I get a paycheck out of it. Now <laughs> you got guaranteed money no matter what happens. Really, the most non-consequential thing to the WWE is the product that they give us. And they got all these guys under contract, so the end, I think they are in a position now where they don't want to give the talent too much power so they do this 50-50 booking so that you can't... Well, you're going to be a star, but not so big of a star where you can ask for more money and things of that nature. What's what's Before we kick into this, what are your thoughts there? Well, you know, it, it's all part of the show, right? So, I mean, do you want to be John McClain or do you want to be Hans Gruber? Yep. Do you want to be police officer number two or do you want to be terrorist number three? Yeah. All are important to the story, but obviously there's certain individuals, in the case of John and Hans, that are a little bit more yeah. above the rest with respect to um, their positioning in the show, but it all is required to tell the narrative. So, you know, I think that's the problem is you have a lot of people that are playing the role of terrorist number three and police officer number two, and you don't have a lot of people that could step in and become the next John and the next Hans. I, well, I, well, and with that said, though, I mean, you have two very strong, you know, heels right now at the top of the card on both shows, that being um, that being Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. But they just don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of John McClane's to take them on. They have a lot of police officer number twos. Yep. But I don't expect police officer number two to throw John McClane off a of Nakatomi Plaza. So exactly. All right. That was a hell of an analogy. Yes, it was. I like that one. You did a great job there. That was a great. Off the top of my head. That was good. That was that was some ad lib skills. You are. I'm gonna, chan... I'm gonna channel my inner Barry Horowitz here and just. <laughs> there we go. All right, pat yourself on the back there, good sir. I was just posting us on my Instagram story, so we're gonna share awesome. that. Share on my Facebook story. There we go. The Slammer Brothers are live. Slammer Brothers are live. We are in here. In living color. In living color. Oh, wait, I don't know if people would understand that reference. But that was a oh, fantastic homie, sketch. Homie, don't play that. That was a sensational show. God damn, they do not make them like that anymore. I think well, the only... <laughs> no. Well, I think you can. You just have to have the balls to do it. And we live in a society where no one has balls anymore. Mm. Uh, well, the thing is, people used to... People used to get off on being a renegade. Like they almost wanted you to wanted to be infamous. They wanted you to hate you to hate them, so they got some kind of reaction from you. Now it's weird. The bad guys want to be liked while being bad guys. It's it's a strange dynamic that's hit society, and I just don't quite understand it. But I'm a grandpa, so maybe that's it. Who knows? Well, you, maybe or just you're just watching too much AEW. Maybe that could be it. That could be it. Too much, a little too much <laughs> AEW. Okay, so uh, we got we got a good show planned for today. 
Um, I do have a new segment that I have not told you about, and we're going to do it in the middle of the show because I want to get us some, some forward momentum because people came here to, to see what we thought of this week's episode of Raw. So, bro, bro. So we start off with your favorite character. Actually, we start off with Randy Orton. He comes out, and he's a little out of place because I feel like the Orton character should have never had any babyface time whatsoever because he's such a great heel. But you got to mix it up to keep things fresh. Mm-hmm. I get that, but. I'm sure Mr. Orton is a fantastic human being in real life, done charitable work, all that. But the facial expressions this guy makes, there's nothing (laughs) baby face about this guy. This is the type of guy who looks like he will bang your girlfriend and then eat your fucking Fruit Loops and then try to give you a fist bump on uh, as he as you walk up to your house and leaves, right? Or 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 an RKO, you know. Or he RKOs you because you know your girlfriend didn't provide him with satisfactory pleasure. But that's another story. Um, after he eats your fruity pebbles, or he enjoyed it with your girlfriend, but he's like he's more of a cinnamon toast crunch guy, and you just didn't have it. So, anyways, that's the kind of guy from a character that I view him as. Um, just one second here, okay. Um, but yeah, that so he comes out, he cuts a promo. The only thing that's out of place for me here, I think his mic work is fine, that we see a baby face Randy Orton. Welcome to Raw. He cuts his promo, he comes back, and then your favorite segment. Your absolute <laughs> favorite segment comes in. Bro. Now you don't like it, me. I think I think Riddle works only because I met the guy many moons ago and I believe this character because what you see with Riddle is actually Matt Riddle just dialed up to 47. So you meet the guy and he's kind of like that. But this character was like Vince McMahon's like, "Okay. So what I want you to do is I want you to take that. And I want you to dial it up to 57, okay? Can you do that? Oh, that's some good shit. God, that's some good shit right there. All right, so he comes out. He tries to uh, buddy up with Orton. Orton says, hey, man, you've done fine without me. And to Riddle's credit, he's kind of this lovable buffoon and he cracks some lines that was i was like oh okay some cheap oz were in there where he's like you know i thought you left and wouldn't come back because my stepdad left and he just never came back and i'm just like oh man bro (laughs) bro 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 he got me with that cheap heat and then orton was like hey man we sold some shirts we did well together but, you know, you're cl- I've been watching you. You did fine without me. You don't need me. You've been doing just fine on your own. Out comes AJ Styles and Omos. Omos, mark my words right now. Check it up. This is, uh, this is the phase of his career, kind of like when Batista came in and he was the deacon, the, the deacon character who held the box. Yep. This is what he is. This is like the first little gimmick to get him in the door, but mark my words, Omos is going to be a major fucking star. He's going to be a major star. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Vince loves big man. He's a big man. He plays his character very well. 
Anyways, AJ Styles starts to cut a promo and uh, basically says, Damn, I thought Omos was breaking him was bad. All I had to do was break you two <laughs> up and get him hurt. And Styles, for me, is one of those guys he works both ways. I would, I, He's a guy I can cheer for, and he's a guy I can boo. Uh, Omos is kind of looking badass there. Um, they both take some ribs at each other. Randy Randy uh, attempts an RKO on AJ Styles for running his mouth a little too much. He escapes in a really cool way, which is just like, hey, man, I'm just not going to lean into it. I'm just going to back up and roll, right? So it was a cool way to avoid the RKO. Now, Riddle is in there alone with Omos again. We think he's going to get a little bit of revenge on the big man. He does the tries to be Randy Orton. Attempts the RKO on Mr. Moss. Omos. Omos gives him a massive choke slam for his problem for his troubles or his efforts, I should say. Rolls out of the ring. Orton refuses to help him up and just says, Well, that wasn't very smart. And continues to walk <laughs> as Matt Riddle proceeds to follow him like a hurt puppy. RK Bro is broken up at this point of this of the program. Steve, how do you feel about that? What did this segment do for you? So look, it, it, I've made no secret of the fact that the the I loved Matt NXT Matt Riddle. Yeah. Love the talent. Um Riddle on the main roster, I just uh, it's the stoner scooter thing just doesn't work for me. However, Every single thing about this segment absolutely worked for me. I, I got a kick out of this. I like the interaction between Orton and Riddle. The crowd was all about it. Oh, yeah. The crowd and loved every second. Smart, oh, good. And I thought it was a smart decision to just not only bookend the show with it, but to have it weaved in in little segments throughout. Honestly, that I, that was the only thing that really saved the show for me. So, I, I you know, hey. They're, they're clearly working towards the tag title match at SummerSlam. Um, I'm actually very interested in seeing that. If, if they can keep Riddle as, you know, Orton's little little puppy, whatever he is, uh, I'm okay with that. Just the, everything about this worked for me. I, I was entertained. Uh, if I had to grade the segment, I gave it an A-. minus. So you're telling me, holy. Oh, oh! I, I have to pause you right here, Mr. Steve yeah. Slammer. So you're telling me that a segment with no wrestling, not showcasing the amazing athleticism and the rough, gritty style of wrestling that you like from Riddle, but a segment with Riddle himself on the yeah. microphone gets an A-minus with you. I have to dig a little deeper. I have to ask some follow-up questions here. Was it, did, was it, did a, did a lot of it have to do with just how well Orton played it? Cause at Orton, Orton's the glue. Orton was Orton's definitely the glue, glue with this whole thing. Without Orton, the, the segments involving him, you know, they, they, you know, him taking, or I'm sorry, Riddle taking on Omos, you know, the interaction between him and style, like none of that was real. Like I knew it, where it was heading. But with Orton back and then, you know, Orton to your, you know, you brought it up, you know, Orton's just sitting there. That wasn't very smart. You know, like, like, it's almost like, it's almost like my inner, my inner voice is screaming through him. So I appreciated that. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, there was enough stuff for everybody. Like if you, if you like Riddle, 
There was Riddle being Riddle, but he dropped little nuggets that added a little more depth to the character. Where even it was just that one stepdad line that won me with this because it was like, <laughs> okay, you now told me why he has this obsession with being friends with Randy Orton and where this brother, this thing comes from because he's desperately seeking the approval of an older male figure to be like a father-like figure, I would say, or an older brother type figure. So I thought with, I thought his character choices, even though he's cartoony, even though it was a little, mm. it was a little over the top or, you know, or in Riddle's case, uh, always over the top in ways i felt like it gave character also aj styles made himself more of a kind of a vindictive asshole heel uh omas did what he needed to do he's continuing to to elevate himself through these little motions and right now that's what he should be no one should beat him for a while because he's the monster so yeah, I mean, you, you know, it, it, it's funny as you're as you're as you're talking through that. I think because Riddle is so ridiculous and goofy and over the top, I think one of the common complaints about Orton is generally that he's kind of boring a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And that's why I think this works so much. Yeah. Because he gets to he gets to do Randy Orton things that normally without Riddle in his orbit, I might be sitting there just going like, okay, yeah, I got it, got it, got it. But with this goofball hanging around them, it's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I dig it. I like where it's going. The crowd was eating it up. Yes, they were. Um, and, and even the goofy nonsense that, that Riddle was saying, like, it, it was getting reactions from you. It got reactions from the crowd. Everything about it just works. The only, the only criticism I had with the, with the, with the minus grade was that it, it feels about a week too late. I feel like they should have done this a week ago, so that way there'd be more than just... Because they still haven't confirmed the match. Yes. And as we said at the beginning, we're 11 days from the event. So clearly they got to get there this Monday. I would have preferred to get there this past Monday and then give it a week to breathe a little bit. But, you know, minor criticism aside, everything everything was great. Loved it. I mean, here's here's what I think, and it's going to be the cheapest pop we have ever felt, but fuck it, I'll tell you, <laughs> I love me some cheap pops. If Orton and Riddle reconcile and just freaking totally run with it and they or if Omos and AJ just start beating the living crap out of Riddle and Orton saves him then goddamn I will I I don't care what I'm drinking in my hand it's getting spilt I will I will scream in joy at my TV there <laughs> I don't care for me you went a minus I went a with this one because of because it did what it needed to do for all four for all four of the men involved and the crowd loves it and you know me if i like if if what you're doing is getting the reaction you want whether i'm whether it's 100 percent my style or not i gotta give you credit for making something work so yeah a for me okay so before we move on to some stuff that you probably won't like mm. we're gonna play a little game here now instead of Ooh. buy sell or hold I am going, we're going to play overused, underused. So based on the current booking uh, booking situation with what you've seen in the past, I'm going to rattle off a list of <clears throat> professional wrestlers, and I want you to tell me if they are overused, underused, and then if you think they're being used 
perfectly. Just say they're being used perfectly. And since it is, we're reviewing Raw, these are all Raw superstars with a little bit of bleed over. I am ready. All right, we are ready. Number one, Goldberg. Um, perfectly. Perfectly used. Now, why would you say that goal? What what what's your perfectly used? What makes you land there with Goldberg? Well, it's hard to say he's overused. I mean, the last time we saw him was the Royal Rumble. Um, underused would imply that he should be used more than he is. I don't agree with that. So I'm left with, if you're gonna use him, this is the way to use him. All right. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Hundred percent. All right, moving into one of your all-time favorites, uh, Mr. R-Truth, overused or underused? Uh, underused, but but he's overused in the 24-7 picture. Yep. I think he's underused as a talent. I think he's capable of more than the comedy nonsense that they give him to do. Yep. But, you know, you don't become a 47-time, 24-7 champion if you're taking life seriously, so, you know. 100%. So, next on the list, <laughs> because we love the 24-7 title here at the Slammer Bros Podcast, more than water if we were in the Sahara Desert, stranded, mm. fighting for our lives. One gallon of water or 10 24-7 little cutaways. 24-7 cutaways would probably win. All right, next on the list, Alexis Bliss, or Alexa Bliss, I should say. God, can I say misused? Yes, you can, misused. She, this lady fiend nonsense needs to go away. But with that said, if I had to, if I had to backfill that into the discussion that we're having, then I would say overused in her current role. I... I don't understand why they're continuing with it, especially with the release of Bray Wyatt, although there might be news on that front. But, um, you know, do I need to see her dealing with friggin' Dewdrop and eat? No, I don't need to see this. It's, it's overused. All right, next on the list, Baron Corbin. Overused. Overused. He was, he was, he was overused with the King gimmick. They finally got him away from it, and they, I, I felt like they were at least going somewhere with this, you know, broke Corbin situation. But now he's on both shows. Now he's involved in, in you know, with main event talent on both shows. Now you're just overusing him. All right. Reggie. Underused. Really? Okay, let's go into so, that a little bit. So, well, so here's the deal, right? So, did did you catch the little the little uh, the little aside from the announcers during the show where they talked about the fact that it that uh, Reggie's entrance had 33 million views on TikTok? It was actually billion views, 33 billion views on TikTok. Uh, or million? Was sounds, it million? Oh, okay. It has to be million. Okay, I, I thought I heard a B in there. I'll have to check it out. But I mean, I know one billion. I know one billion people. Actually, two billion people use the TikTok application. So it is possible. Thirty-three billion. Well, well, we'll, we'll see. But please finish. Well, so so that tells me that there's an audience 
for what he does. I think that they are doing it in the worst creative way possible by they're putting him in ridiculous situations to be able to showcase this stuff. If they would, if they would make it a little more realistic. Um, and that's why I say underuse. I, 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 they're clearly overusing him in this, you know, soft matrix nonsense that they're, you know, the Cirque du Soleil stuff that they're having him do. But I think he's capable of doing more in the context of his skill set. But they really need to get him away from it. And they can even keep him the 24-7 champion. But, you know, it, it's just the, the way that the matches have been presented and then that backstage segment that they did on this show. It's just, it makes me roll my eyes. And clearly the guy is talented. Yes, he is. So that's why I say underused. He would be another one that I would argue is misused. But um, you know, they're they're clearly trying to get clicks for for their for their TikTok or, or YouTube hits, uh, which is a shame because I think that eventually the novelty is going to wear off, and then you're going to be left with somebody who does not have a character. Yep. And you've seen all of the flippy stuff. So what else is there to see? Like, why why should I care about it? And we've had this conversation. Why should I care about Reggie? What's his motivation? Why should I care that he's a 24-7 champion? They haven't even taken the time to explain that. It's just, oh, look, he does cool stuff. Well, that's fine. Yep. Uh, I, I completely understand. And actually, I think this is going to be a mild, not a huge, but a mild disagreement with the, with the cutaway section with Reggie this week. But we'll get to that when we get to that segment. Um, all right. Uh, next on the list riddle <laughs> perfectly for in this particular moment so in the, in his current booking situation with Orton with with Styles and Omos I'm I think that that's perfect alone overused 100% okay we have 3 left and these are 3 Ooh. guys who I see in or around the titles picture well let let's go with bobby lashley overused or underused perfect perfect change nothing change nothing you hear that vince mcmahon all you got to do is do nothing and you win just well and i and i and i think that they recognize that because i i think my impression was the original plan was for Lashley to lose to Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania, and clearly they changed course on that. So um, I think they're seeing the value. I think that the setup that he has with MVP is perfect. I would have kept the Hurt business together, but you know that's again minor. But yeah, I, I think the way that they have him right now, I think it's just I think it's spot on perfect for him. Awesome. I I feel inclined to agree. And here's just not to take it aside because we're probably going to talk about this segment. Much like Roman Reigns has a Paul Heyman in his corner, and much how MVP is ultra-talented on that microphone and he kind of slides everything towards it, I wonder how much of MVP is an actual manager backstage or helping drive the story. Not saying that Bobby is not a creative guy because he probably is. He probably puts in his own creative input. But part of me feels like the guys who actually have legitimate managers right now are having the best storylines. Like, at least Lashley, in the moment, it's salvageable. And it's actually the best part of the show, to be honest with you right Agreed. now. Agreed. Um, so, he has a manager. Heyman, over on SmackDown, 
Jesus Christ. Anything within the <laughs> Roman Reigns, like, multiverse... Solid gold. ...is gold, baby. Give me more. Feed it to me like fucking cornmeal, baby. Uh, Got that right. Everything else, though, people with no managers, mm. no one to kind of take care of them, it, it, it often feels like a rudderless ship from time to time. Every once in well, a while, I mean, the sea puts it in the right direction, but then the the freaking rudderless ship with the riding team completely screws it up. Because I feel like those two guys are shielded from such nonsense. Well, and the interesting part of that is that both guys can talk. Yeah. Um, uh, Lashley not up, uh, is obviously not at the same level as, as Roman, but during his time in Impact, uh, Lashley really improved on the mic. Yes, he did. I think we've seen snippets in you know his current title run where he can talk. Reigns can obviously talk. The point is, is that it's part of the overall presentation. They have these mouthpieces that can do it, so that way when they talk, it means even more. Yes. So I think that's why I think the whole presentation, like if we were doing this and you were bringing up Roman Reigns again, it's perfect, right? The way that they have their champions positioned right now is is awesome. It's, it's the underneath talent and the potential challengers that's the problem exactly so with that being said what do you think about drew mcintyre overused or underused overused overused understood it has nothing to do with the sword they they continue to trot him out there he should not be in a feud with jinder mahal um he, he it's he needs to he's he's starting to border on he needs to go away for a little while in my opinion and i like drew mcintyre yep well it's uh it's like dusty road said i can't i don't i don't do a good dusty yet but his a famous quote of his is how can i miss you if you don't go away how can i miss you if you don't go away baby <laughs> all right you do you do you dusty go away, baby go away baby <laughs> all right finally because unlike vince mcmahon you are somebody who respects NXT and the title and the development talent. Karrion Cross, overused or underused? Shouldn't be used right now. Should they, he? Oh, go ahead. So, so, so that would be overused right now. So everything that they're doing right with him right now just makes absolutely no sense. They're not protecting the title. They're not protecting the title match that he's going to be having right after SummerSlam. Um they could have waited to do this and they should have waited probably a month or two uh, and they could have done everything that they're doing right now and it, and it wouldn't damage the title or at least don't have him show up on TV with the belt I understand it's all under the same umbrella but when he walks out there with the belt and he loses to Jeff Hardy in two minutes he, he, now I'm supposed to buy a, a quote unquote showdown match between him and Samoa Joe. I mean, if, if Jeff Hardy can beat him in two minutes, Samoa Joe should should have already beaten him. Exactly. So, uh, you're not you're not protecting any of it. I, I just, it's been a botch from Jump Street and so I, I would have to say overused in his current capacity. Well yeah, and that that makes sense there. And we've we've gone into this multiple times in the show. When you go out of your way to try to protect everybody you bury everybody. You protect no one. And personally, I'm of the mindset where once you're in at WWE, you're away from NXT. So he should have either dropped the title to Samoa Joe or he should have done or he should have just, you know, left the title, you know, like uh, Bret Hart wanted to do prior to going to WCW. Leave the belt and come and come to WWE Raw. Well, well, at this point, Samoa Joe better beat him. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, that seems like the slam dunk of the weekend, and we're talking about, you know, two main roster title matches that are slam dunks. I mean, that should be the slam dunk of all slam dunks. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Is, is Joe, Joe taking the title? 100%. They've made, they've made questionable booking decisions before, so we shall see. What? Are you... Are you saying that WWE makes questionable booking decisions that often make no sense whatsoever? If I was going to channel my in living color, it'd be like, clutch the pearls. Clutch the pearls. <laughs> oh my, clutch the pearls. Very much so. I know. Okay. I know. So the next segment that I feel is worth covering, since we mentioned Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin, oh. this next match, you're going, oh, part of me? It did it for me. Now, it wasn't wow. a work, but wow. in the multiverse that they have created, in the package the in the package that we have been delivered for multiple weeks, and maybe maybe this is the DVR helping it out, but hear me out here, okay? Are you sure it wasn't something with uh, alcohol in it that was helping this out? No, I have not drank in... Uh, <laughs> I haven't drank since before we started prepping for our last bodybuilding show, so no. Or actually wow. since after our bodybuilding yes. show, because we did have some beers. Yes. My bad. <laughs> we did. Not to skew history here. Uh, okay. I understand. So, essentially... Um, here's the package we've been presented. We've been presented with a dumbass feud with a bunch of mm. little mini decisions that make no sense with Jinder Mahal and his freaking goons every freaking week. The sword itself has been, even though it's a badass looking sword, I'd want it on my wall. They presented it in a way that's completely fucking <clears throat> stupid. And even when they did don't. finally answer the question of why don't you just bring it with you to the ring? They, they did it in an ultra stupid way. Then on the other side of the coin, you got Baron Corbin, who, here's the deal. I respect his, I respect the fact that he's one of those guys who isn't missing this thing, and he is going with the kayfabe. He's committed to the character, that's for sure. He's committed to it. So with the package that we were given, with the interview beforehand where he gives that beautiful story about his mom with a genetic disease and that's what he named the sword after, now I have a reason to somewhat give a shit about the sword. Now the sword, I can see why it has some sort of meaning for the character. So that, I was like, okay, fine. Better presentation of the sword, even though you put it in the stone just to take it out of the stone. Not a fan of that, but it is what it is. God. Then you got Baron Corbin, who is just walks out to the ring, no music because he can't afford it. Still has the fucking mustard stain on his shirt. I mean, they're really beating it into us. Um, but my favorite spot of the match, because I thought the in-ring action was pretty good. Um, my favorite spot of the match is when Drew attempts to be a babyface and he does probably and he finally does something babyface-ish because they've been making him do some kind of heelish shit these past couple weeks as a babyface like look man for god's sakes how much do you need for a meal a place to sleep and a shower then baron basically says a hundred thousand dollars could you give me a hundred thousand dollars and then drew plays with it a little bit 200 how about two hundred thousand? How about 300000 Then he drops the mic and gives him a fucking Claymore, brings it home, gets the pin. I'm just saying maybe I like this because of how misrepresented. And then also, 
I thought, finally, a realistic reaction. Their gender and his goons are about to come into the ring to a 280-pound fucking man. The man, the, the big guy, Drew McIntyre, grabs a sword, wields it, and then the other three are just like, yeah, uh, probably best to not go in there right now as opposed to try to attack him with steel chairs. For me, with what the shit... Basically, they took shit, in the words of Al Snow, they took shit, and they didn't quite make Shinola, but they made a, uh, a usable watch that I could buy from a street vendor in Thailand for $3 American. So for me, it wasn't A, but it worked for me. I'm not going to give it a letter grade yet because I want to hear what you have to say about it. So go ahead, Steve. You, you're, you're, this is uh, this is the one I knew we were going to disagree about. But go ahead. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. So, um, the the in ring action. So if I completely turn my brain off, it was I. Yeah. Here's the here's the problem though. Um. Did not Finn Balor just kill Baron Corbin in two minutes on SmackDown? Yes, he did. And it takes McIntyre ten minutes. Very, very true. And and Corbin was basically brought in to be a goon from Jinder. So why would you bring in a goon who just lost to somebody half a Drew's size? So I do I do get your point there. And and, and I appreciate the fact that I didn't have to see McIntyre against another of Mahal's goon squad, so that was nice, but the the I'm confused. Is the sword the baby face or is Drew McIntyre the baby face? You know what? I think it's just uh it's a prop that they're trying to give more meaning to just uh but, because but, it's but his gimmick. It's the gimmick. But they're but they're turning him into a cartoon. Like I, I don't understand why he has to be a stereotype with this claymore sword coming down shoves it into the stone takes it out of the stone now so this is evolving now it's now it's a tribute to his cancer-stricken mother i'm just i'm just rolling my eyes through all this thing and then you know like i said i I felt that the interaction with him at the end of the match i thought drew Drew came off as kind of a dick really i mean i mean i mean corbin asking for 100 grand is ridiculous but you know, he's trying to be sincere, but it was clearly a setup from the Claymore, so I, so I, I doubt your sincerity there. And then the last part with this, you know, with him swinging the sword in the ring, and I'm just, I'm wondering about the logic of Mahal and his goons not to go down to the ring, but are they really thinking he's going to commit a murder on national TV? Well, I mean, he's a big Do they guy. Really think he's going to swing that sword and decapitate, you know? skeezy or whatever the guy's name is and just cut his head off on national tv hey man like like it's just it it's it's all so stupid and 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 i think at the end of the day here's the thing it's beneath where mcintyre should be i graded it i gave it an f you gave it an f this whole thing requires me to turn off my brain in a way that pisses me off so I'm giving it a s- And I love McIntyre. I, I love the guy too. So here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that we're in the we're in the we're on the fucking bus whenever you're whenever you go through this long storyline, right? And basically mm-hmm. it's had flat tires, it's had like freaking fire damage, they drove us through bad neighborhood after bad neighborhood. It's probably the worst bus ride you could take with this thing. And for me, I'm like, okay. 
we passed a little bit of patch where you got to see a lake and some sunshine before going within this shit show, right? So for me, I'm actually going to give it a C because... And, I, and I, I respect that. And only because, based off of everything they've given us, you know, one of our things is, one of the things you and I have discussed is, once you're in a storyline, you got to close it up. You gotta, you gotta conclude that bitch, and our conclusion is coming in SummerSlam, hopefully, because I don't, I'm, I'm sure if used properly, Jinder Mahal is passable, but he just doesn't do it for me. But he's a big guy who's a believable threat, at least from a physical standpoint, from McIntyre. They really ain't got nothing else they can book him with, so. Because of that stupid decision with Bobby Lashley, because they got all the run they could possibly get out of it, that's why I'm giving it a C. I'm giving it a C just because, okay, you went from shit to poop. So I have to give you some credit for giving me something good, right? So I, I, I understand they have beaten you into submission on this on this. And you're and you're saying, Alright, it's a C. It's I a got C. It. I, I, yeah, yeah. So basically, this is a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. This is. I, I, that's what I was. I was just about to say. <laughs> this is like when I had to start when when my parent when uh, when our mom like made me eat grapefruit for a whole fucking month and every morning. Bro, 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 just just blink twice if you're if you need help. I'm blinking. Okay. <laughs> I, understand, I understand. I understand. All right, I all right, all right bro. I understand the Moving on, because I know this is this is one of the matches where. It's almost not even fun, and, you know, this is probably what should have happened in their first match. So next on the list, we got Karrion Cross versus Jeff Hardy. Why is Karrion Cross versus Jeff Hardy after Drew McIntyre, who was just your champion? I don't know, but, hey, we're here. This is how it goes. And Drew, he hits the uh, uh, cross jacket on Jeff Hardy, totally beats him. Hardy gets some good offense in, but Hardy gets the amount of offense that makes sense in the matter that it makes sense. Um, if this was their first match, I would have thought it was great. But because of the fact that WWE booking is completely freaking lazy, I knew who was going to win before the two... I knew before the commercial break who was going to win this match. Uh... Karrion Cross defeats Jeff Hardy via submission. In-ring action is great. What took me out of this was the fact that it's clear 50-50 booking. They now have to fix what they broke with Karrion Cross, so they gave him his win back. In-ring action, perfectly fine. This was good. If this was the match they gave us in his debut, I thought it was amazing. Um, and then another thing where I guess they're going to try to work him heel is... Uh, after the match, he hits the uh, cross jacket again. And as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, I got to say, I do love his technique there, uh, trapping the arm with the rear naked choke. Beautiful delivery. This guy clearly knows Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Steve. I agree with everything you said. I think the only thing I would add to that is is that <clears throat> they've already damaged it. So had this been the first match, if this had been his debut match, I could have lived with it. Um Hardy cheated to beat him in like two minutes in his debut match, and now it takes Cross eight or nine minutes to beat Hardy. The only way that they could have started to correct this is if he came out there and just absolutely steamrolled him in, a, in seconds. 
but they didn't do that. They made it competitive. So, you know, again, if you're looking at the in-ring action, the in-ring action was fine for what it was, but in the context of whatever the hell story they're trying to tell here, none of this makes any sense. What they're doing with Cross doesn't make any sense. What they're doing with Keith Lee doesn't make any sense. And what they're doing with Jeff Hardy doesn't make any sense. And they're all kind of interconnected right now. Yeah. So I, so grading it, I gave it a D minus. And the D, the only reason why it wasn't an F was because of the quality of the in-ring action. But they're damaging the NXT title. They're damaging Perry and Cross. There's no real logic behind it. It's just none of this, none of this is working. And unfortunately, um, I don't know how they can recover it at this point. I mean, Cross looks like a chump. Cross does look like a chump, and now he's going heel when he could have been a babyface because he's over. Like, he's completely over as the NXT champion. But, hey, it happens. It's it's just what they do to young talent, which is why you got a 53-year-old Bill Goldberg fighting for a title in 11 <laughs> days, right? So, no disrespect Absolutely. to Bill. Bill looks great. I hope I look that freaking good at 53. But there's 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 roles for guys once you turn 53. Like, look at Lashley. Lashley's 46, I believe, right? Like, Lashley's not a spring chicken. Uh, I thought he was in his earlier 40s, but yeah, he's 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 up there a little bit. So your best guys were created in a time when you elevated talent properly. There was guys who got buried like Edge early in his career got buried, but he came back and now he's a main guy like that's part of it. You do the job you get it back, but no one wants to do the job or they don't want to diminish the characters and they don't want to elevate people to a point where that person has leverage over the company. And it's ridiculous. Well, you're not creating stars. I think, I think we've, we've pounded that point to death at this, at this rate. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what is set up coming out of SummerSlam because that's going to be telling and, and, you know the direction that whatever direction that they decide to head in like i think it's clear on the smackdown side the raw side's gonna be interesting absolutely so what would you grade that segment well, i gave it a d minus d minus all right for me i'm gonna give it a d plus just because the entering action was good i love cross's yeah. finisher yep and had this i'll be real if this was the uh if this was the first time they competed i would have given it a b minus I could have lived with it. I think I would have probably went C plus because I, I, I still think Cross should be presented stronger than that. But you know, they're they're uh, whoever is whoever dreamt up whatever the story is is should be fired. I mean, I, I have no idea what the hell they're doing here. Absolutely. Okay, so there was this next segment. I mean. Basically, they had Alexa Bliss walk out, and then I believe mm. that then they had a little Randy. It was a, you know, they kind they had, of, little, they, had little, they had a little yeah. riddle in there, threw it in there. Um, here's what I would say about Miss Bliss because she she fights and defeats Dewdrop next, and this was another decision that's lazy booking. And I I basically figured it out before the match happened. I said, okay, Dewdrop attacked her last week. She's gonna get it back and get the win. Here's the thing. If they took out the hypnosis shit, if they took out a lot of the, the stupid doll, and if they sold her more like a Gangrel-type character, like back in the Attitude Era, where it's just, hey, you have an eccentric, kind of dark, gothic, kind of creepy character, I think it would work. Because a lot of her movements in the ring, she does some cool stuff that I like in the ring. Because Alexa Bliss is a talent. She's a very, very talented wrestler. Oh, I've, I've always been a fan of hers. Like, there was a, motion, a move in the match where she uh, she slides under Dewdrop, 
jumps to the ropes but catches herself like mm-hmm. in this creepy type pose with Spider-Man style. I was like, yep. if you lost all the other cartoony shit, <laughs> this would work for me. Like this would work for me if you were presented properly. Um, so anyways, Dewdrop comes out with Eva. Alexa Bliss gets her win back. You know, in all fairness, in-ring action isn't bad, but what destroys this for me is the stupid fucking doll sequence where now it's some kind of voodoo-esque shit. She tries the hypnosis stuff on Eva Marie again, which I'm not a... Like, I... Part of me insults the intelligence. It insults your intelligence, and then part of you, when you you listen to the old-timers talk about these sort of things, you... You almost wish we lived back in the territory days just so you could watch them burn the fucking building on fire if they tried to pull this shit on the fans. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. I think a theme throughout the show was apathy. Yeah. On the part of the, of the fans in attendance. I mean, it, they've only been back in front of live crowds for a couple of weeks now, and they've already gotten the fans to the point where they're just like, eh. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And I think with the darker characters like Undertaker, you know, the Brood back in the day, um, dare I say, the Fiend, like if you present them properly, they could be the cool, or Kane, I forget, could, I can't forget Kane. Like you introduce these characters properly, you use them properly, they're badass. But when you miss, it's a big miss. It's either a big hit or a big miss. And for me, it's just a huge freaking miss that they are just driving Agreed. down our fucking throats because I'm pretty sure that even though the writer for her stuff, for her for her promos and her storylines, I'm sure that writer it was not a wrestling fan growing up, but it is very <laughs> clear that they were a freaking Joker Harley Quinn fan to the death. Yeah, yeah, I I I'll agree with you on that. Hundred percent. Like it's just it's all it's all it, it's. You know, you're, and you're ruining a talent, and the crowd still likes them some Alexa Bliss, but I think that they, she was getting a courtesy pop as opposed to people actually liking this lady fiend nonsense with the doll, and it, it's just it's so stupid. Once again, theme of the show: great talent, shitty booking, shitty gimmicks. Uh, outside of the men's championship picture, I just have to say it, and mm. we're gonna we're gonna pound this into the into the pavement people and we're sorry for that but that's just the way it is but uh moving on uh actually something brighter yep well i don't even think we need to grade that i i do you want to grade it you can grade it incomplete it's incomplete (laughs) all right so it's not quite a gym class f for you it's missing bray wyatt it's incomplete it's incomplete yes it's kind of like it's kind of like you go to a Beatles concert and you only see Ringo. It's like, where the fuck's the other guy? <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. All right. So here there was one thing. There was one cutaway. And I, I believe this is this may be our first massive disagreement <laughs> on the show. And that's fine because, you know, we agree on 90% of things. But if we didn't disagree from time to time, it would be a boring-ass show. Uh, there was that cutaway with reggie he's doing this photo shoot and then behind him they kind of have uh they kind of have our truth in disguise and then the guy he beat last week what's his name akira akira tozawa in disguise tozawa's in disguise okay i'm gonna go into why this Uh. kind of worked for me number one it was short 
So it wasn't like yes. it wasn't like, hey, you're gonna give this cartoony belt better treatment than you treat the Intercontinental Championship of the World. You're gonna treat it like a gimmick title. You 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 basically instead of taking this cartoony belt and giving it a serious presentation or trying to get it over as a serious belt, even though we all know it's kind of just a gimmick title. What you did was you took a bunch of cartoony shit, you kept it within the confines of a minute and a half, and then we all moved on with our day. And I'm okay with cartoony multiverses within the main universe. As long as as long as you've got your serious presentation with your main titles, with your championships, right? So we have that with Lashley. We don't have that with the women's championship for Raw, but you know that's we're we're gonna talk about that agnosium. Um, but for me, hmm. this was a cartoony little bit that worked with a cartoony little title, and it was and and for me, it's like okay, you know what? You're giving the twenty four seven title, maybe not Reggie, maybe not our truth, maybe not Takazawa. You might not be giving those guys the respect they deserve because clearly you're putting them into this shit, but. You're giving that title the respect it deserves, which is one to two minutes of throwaway mm-hmm. TV time in a cartoony space to kind of like, you know, switch things up. For me, it actually worked under these circumstances. So now that you've heard my reasoning, what do you feel about it? Uh, honestly, I'm actually going to agree with you for the most part. I mean, it. I like, you know, when we talked about the difference – in one of the earlier shows, you know, I may not agree with what they're doing, but at least they're doing something and there's some kind of a story that they're telling. I could do without having championship matches, especially for something that's been defended on a golf course. Yep. So the fact that they went with a very quick backstage segment, yeah, you know, I rolled my eyes at the, you know, Tazawa and R-Truth in, in costume trying to pin them. But if that's what they're going to do to get their $33 million TikTok clicks, I can live with that. So honestly, I was I was not totally down on the whole thing. I'm kind of interested to see what they end up doing with it, what it becomes, if it's going to become something. It could have just been a one-off. I don't know. So for now, I it, I'm, I rated it as a D plus, and we'll just see what happens. My first non-F Reggie situation. First non-F. Well, goddamn it, mm. Reggie. Here's the deal. Your report card, you actually trending in the right direction. Trending in the right direction because I'm actually giving it a C minus because it worked. Wow, respect, it, respect. It worked for me. I was like, you know what? This is how you present a, a cartoony title. If you want to do the cartoony shit, do it as a cutaway because the whole point of the 24/7 title, in out, yep. baby. Give us some laughs. Let us know it's not all serious. Maybe change the mood of the crowd who's there go with it two pumps and we're done two pump chump baby get in get out that's right dump off the kids in the vahehe and get the fuck out (laughs) that is that is reggie and that's reggie booking and the way it should be done yes (laughs) all right next on the list we had a really goddamn you know what i i finally got to catch a sheamus match and i can completely see what you mean uh next up was sheamus and Ricochet, two guys that we have been very complimentary yeah. of, and I thought they put together one hell of a match here in ring, did what it needed to do. Sheamus got over as a freaking badass without having to completely bury Ricochet. Um, 
I thought it was a solid effort. And I will say this, out of all the championship belts right now, the design, the U.S. championship, I actually like that design above a lot of the other ones. It's better than the hubcap titles that are out there and at least has some sort of craftsmanship to it. It's the one that looks closest to actually being a belt of some kind, probably. Exactly. It looks like something that... Yeah, it looks like something you would want to compete with. Exactly. Like, if I was if I was to have to jump in there with a guy like Seamus, who's a freaking monster, strong, yes. fast, powerful, big boy. He's a big boy. That juice is worth the squeeze, in my opinion. Because, I mean, it's the 20, like the 24-7 title. I'm like, who the fuck even wants that shit? What, do you want a little extra TV time because you're grasping for straws to maintain your career? But this one, I can mess with it. Um, and I'll say this. Ricochet needs a push sooner than later because, goddamn, his mic skills got better over time. His in-ring action is freaking amazing. I mean, dude. Reggie's Reggie's style is cartoony. His style of acrobatics is just freaking badass. It's cool. It works. Yeah. Um, even though Sheamus and Ricochet, we can both fairly say, have completely contrasting styles. It's completely opposite styles. Sheamus is more hard-hitting. Ricochet is more gymnastics, uh, more aerial. Mm -hmm. This match for me, Beautiful. And then I also like the aftermath stuff with Damian Priest, and it was actually a cool way I thought they did to flow into the next match with what they did. We kept the heat going. Um, and the and the next match bled in with this match, and then it bleeds into a Damian Priest-Sheamus uh, matchup, which I do not at all hate for SummerSlam. So uh i'll hold my grade but i i really had no issues with this matchup what'd you feel about the sheamus ricochet match no i agree i think all these segments and, and i'm just going to do them all at the same time because to your point they all flowed into the uh, into one another so i thought the match between sheamus and ricochet was very very good you know it allowed ricochet to get some of his offense in kind of show what he can do but obviously he's not beating the u.s champion going into a showdown match with damian priest at SummerSlam. so i was i was okay with it all i mean 10 minutes uh, between Ricochet and Sheamus, I'll, I'll take that. And then you get Damian Priest coming down. He's getting ready to challenge for the U.S. title. You know, Miz and Morrison, for whatever reason, they're like a bad case of the crabs for Damian Priest. He can't get rid of them. <laughs> and then he takes it. He takes out uh, John Morrison in about four minutes or so. Just you know, a you know, a dominant win. I think we've finally seen the end of wheelchair Miz, so that immediately bumps it up a half a grade for me. Oh yes. Um. So so from start to finish, and then you know, the laying down the challenge for SummerSlam, everything about this segment was above and beyond what I what it should have been to set up. And I gave it a uh, when I graded it, I actually gave it a B plus. I thought it was real. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. Um, you know, some dripstick silliness, silliness notwithstanding, might have bumped it up to an A. But you know, I got to give it a B plus just because I, I'm hoping I don't have to see the Miz in a wheelchair anymore. You know, and here's here's what uh, put it over for me. Uh, just speaking about the Miz stuff, because I always thought the dripstick was stupid, kind of like when somebody gets chased and you spray them with water. If they want to kick your ass, that hose isn't going to mean anything. Um, I thought well, he no sold 
he knows. Uh, you remember, Priest no sold the the drip stick. Yep, he knows. Before he had before he had his finish. So yes, he did. You know, I was I was appreciative of that. Actually, that might bump it up to an A minor. No, it's, it's still B plus. I'm sorry, I'll let you. I'll let you finish. I apologize. Well, no, no worries, no worries. <laughs> he he no sold the drip stick, which I appreciated. What I loved was that without coming, the, both these guys come off as guys who should be fighting for titles. Both Sheamus, both Damian. They both got good wins without having to bury their opponents. Like Johnny Nitro uh, or John Morrison comes out still being yeah. a badass. He's, he did great in the ring. Uh, he showed, but what he did was by kind of doing the job for Damian is I think he put Damian over and said, hey, this guy's a badass. He's worthy of the yeah. shot. Sheamus, Sheamus won without burying Ricochet. I think Ricochet and Morris, that would be a good matchup. I don't what I what I just don't want to see is Ricochet and Reggie work. Keep those two as far away from each other as humanly possible. I just don't think, think it works. I, yeah, I think they're too similar. I don't I don't think we have any worry of seeing that anytime soon. Cool. Cuz I mean, in my opinion, you need guys who flow together, but oftentimes the best wrestlers who flow together have styles that just don't wouldn't necessarily go together, but that's how the offense flows because you have contradicting styles that actually play nicely with one another. Too much flying acrobatic shit just would not work for me. Well, and, and to your point, that, that probably means that they're doing the exact right thing with Reggie right now and that they're getting the maximum that they can get out of him without exposing how green he is as a professional wrestler. You know what? That that could be right. So maybe we maybe this is one of those cases where we look back at him two years from now and they actually built him the right way. Fingers crossed on that, because that would be the first guy they've done that for in a very long time. Well, you know, he seems like a likable enough guy. I want to like it. I, I, you know, I'm I'm slowly like the 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 ice cold heart that I have is slightly starting to warm up, but they can't go back to the silliness and and unfortunately everything surrounding the 24 7 title is just silly so it's going to be a if i ever do come around to it it's gonna it's gonna take a little while you know what i uh i'm gonna give my grade for the two matches together great in-ring action sets up a match does what it needs to do and to your point no more miz in a freaking wheelchair even because we've known it's been bullcrap for three like about three weeks now and could you imagine well, ever since he played in the uh, the celebrity softball game at the? At the yeah, part of me is like, dude, all star break. You know how big of a pop that would have been is if he would have just maintained kayfabe and he stood out of the wheelchair. You know how shocking that would have actually been to people if if we lived back in the kayfabe days. So for me, yeah, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you you gave it a B plus. I'm going, I'm going A minus with this. I was I was borderline A minus, so I can totally I can totally get behind an A minus on that. It, 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 everything about it was good. You know when it when the action is good, the story is good, and you actually because Damien's a mid level guy, and they're actually elevating <laughs> him right. So when they're doing something correctly that we complain about, I have to give it an A minus. Yeah, and, and he got the I I respect what they're doing with him because he got the the bad bunny rub at WrestleMania. Yep, and then and they haven't. They haven't rushed him, you know. Now it's SummerSlam. He's getting into a U.S. title feud, so they're—I think—they're doing the right thing with him right now. Absolutely. Okay. So this next match, which I thought was a complete waste of time, and if I mention what it is and you don't want to do it, we could pass, bro. 
We could totally not waste our time on it. T-Bar defeated pass. Mustafa. Pass. Okay. Not even <laughs> worth grading. I'm sorry. Mustafa Ali just doesn't do it for me. Uh, Mansoor doesn't do it for me. And when they when they change him back to Dayokovic, then I'll, I'll start paying attention to him. I can't, I can't get behind T-Bar. Yeah, this whole thing. And, dude, I don't even think the crowd at home is going to care because you could hear, like, this. keep in mind, this is in front of a crowd that has not seen professional wrestling live but for the past, what, three weeks, four weeks? And you could hear a rat piss on Cotton. Nobody cared. If I, if I wanted to see cheap Purge cosplay, I, I could. there's many other places I could go. I could watch one of the one of the sequels to the purge, and it's probably better than watching this nonsense. All right. So next up, we gotta go to this one, and I will say this, and this is gonna be this this is probably gonna get be a little controversial, but I'm gonna say it. MVP is the Paul is the poor man's Paul Heyman. That is a that is a compliment of Monday Night Raw. Because, God damn it, I liked him as a wrestler, but as a manager, mm-hmm. I freaking love this guy. Because this guy can talk. He's very believable. He keeps it, like, he keeps it within the realm of reality that they're creating, but he adds just enough smugness. He adds just enough um, sincerity to, to what he is saying. Um, if, uh, oh, yep, you're still playing uh, your audio. Your audio is still good. Okay. Just, I'm still good? Okay. Yeah, good. I had flashbacks. I was like, <gasps> so, so anytime, so there's like a green bar that moves left to right, and anytime I don't see that green bar move, I'm just like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> but it, it was moving. We're good. You were just That's quiet. A lot of fucking. It's a lot of fucking, but you know wow. me. I, I Jack Slammer loves a lot of fucking, yeah. I was I was listening to you putting it down here. You know, I'm, 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 I'm sitting at the learning tree, sir. Yes, Keep okay, okay absolutely. Going. Well, <laughs> Bobby Bobby Lashley, uh, so MVP is the perfect guy to do 90% of the talking because he is that guy, he is that good, and however good he was as a wrestler, which was pretty goddamn good, he is 100 times better as a manager. He is right where he needs to be. The suit, the cane, what he had delivered to Goldberg's son, basically. Like, there was sincerity. This felt like a UFC promo where he's like, don't slander me. I have a son. Mm-hmm. We're all fathers here. I'm just telling you. And then it was just like, oh, they kept it. They kept it so believable. And then Lashley's promo style is fucking perfect for who he is. He cuts a promo like he's discussing a UFC fight. Like he's talking. Mm-hmm. You don't think he's fighting in a wrestling match. You think he's like that. He's promoting a UFC main event, and that is how a champion is supposed to carry themselves in the world of professional wrestling. Everything about this worked for me. There was no run-ins. There was no stupidity. Nothing too crazy here. Just good old-fashioned mic work. Completely sets it up. And we're gonna give our SummerSlam predictions, but I have a feeling that oh. What'd you feel about that line where he's like, Goldberg, you are not next. You are done. And I'm just like, whoo, goosebumps. Yeah. Like goosebumps, baby. That was, that was for me, for both of those guys, I'd have to give them an A plus and then also give them a free hall pass to just take off whatever <laughs> class they want for that. 
I love me some good mic work. I love me some good promo. A fucking plus all around. What do you feel about it? Uh, again, I have to agree with everything you said. I think the only thing I would add to, to everything that you just put down is for the second consecutive week, they're bringing up Goldberg's son. That, that, that I'm guessing at this point it's not a coincidence. I don't know how he's going to be involved in this. I dread how he's going to be involved in this because I don't think it's necessary. But, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the fact that he brought it up again this week just got my antenna up. And I'm just like, oh, crap, here we go. But other than that, I, I agree with everything you said. I think gold on the mic. I think, you know, their, their, their ability to continue to sell the match without Goldberg being there is the, the sign of a good manager and a good promo. So uh, I'm absolutely in sync with you on this one, sir. A plus. A plus, both guys, mm-hmm. and, they get, and they get a free period. Do whatever you want. Boom, on us. <laughs> All right. Free, free study hall. Okay, so next one, next match, and I believe this was the main event of the evening. We had Nikki well, Ash. Oh, wait, no. Oh, wait, no, this was nope. not the main event. This this was the semi-main. Semi-main event, the, sem- the co-main event of the evening, because we. how could I forget <laughs> about Orton and Riddle when we said that this is what saved the show in a lot of ways? It must have been maybe some of the same stuff that causes Mr. Riddle to forget. I don't do that, man, because no. there's a there's a time and a place to do certain things. And for me, the green I understand. the green was in high school, and you leave it there. Mm. But some people like to do it long into their adult lives. Not that there's anything wrong with it. We just don't partake. But if you partake, that's perfectly fine. Okay, next on the list, Nikki Ash defeats Rhea Ripley via disqualification. There was a full package here where... Rhea Ripley is probably the best female superstar on the entire roster. Both shows, I might add. She's believable. She looks like a badass. Um, She plays the part really well. Great physique. Amazing in-ring work. And her mic skills have definitely gotten sincerely better over the time. And she plays the baby face while still being true to her character and kind of gives a couple of knocks on Nikki Ash in her promo. Um, Nikki Ash, what I will say about her so that it just doesn't feel like we're shitting on this poor uh, woman every week. Um, I will say that as she's gotten used to working with people as talented as the Charlotte Flairs and Rhea Ripley's, her in-ring work has gotten much better. With those two, like, I, I think they're feeling each other. They have the timing together down. So that part works for me. Uh, Rhea and Nikki, they had a good match. Charlotte comes in, interferes. She's the heel of the mix. Um, you know, but the thing about it is, for me, Charlotte's already feuded with Rhea. Now they're feuding again, but neither one of them's the champion. And Nikki Ash has basically become, instead of being, because in a triple threat match, there's always the mosquito. And when I say the mosquito, it's no disrespect is, but you have the two main people who you think's going to win. And then the mosquito is in the ring to bite them, ruin their spots, and kind of be that, that up in the air factor with everything, right? And, tip, and typically take the pin. And typically take the pin. Yes, that's 100%. You're in there to just disrupt things and take the fall so that neither of the other two have to lose face. Um, Charlotte came in, 
did some great heel work. There was some decent in-ring action. This was another thing where I think it did what it was supposed to do. But after the fact, what what they're not doing with the Women's Championship and the Universal Championship in Raw is, okay, what's after SummerSlam? Like, what's what's next? I don't, I don't see any lingering threats here because if the belt is on Nikki Cross, then... Okay, you take it off Nikki. Who's gonna like? Is Nikki gonna fight back for it? Uh, is Charlotte and Rhea? Do we have to sit through that again? Has this just been a break from Rhea and Charlotte? Because I feel like they need to put that on ice until we get into WrestleMania season. Because those two—that's a WrestleMania match, in my opinion—is those two, and that's the only real female match that I could say for a title should be a WrestleMania main event. Um, well, until Becky Lynch comes back, yeah. Until Becky Lynch comes back. That is 100% correct. Um, so, for me, it did what it needed to do. There was good in-ring action. Nikki is getting better in the ring. I love me some Rhea Ripley. Great on the mic. Great in the ring. Um, you know? it, And it wasn't the same fucking thing we've seen every week in a row, which was Charlotte Flair. They kept us within the same feud. They did it a little differently. C minus for me. I'm going to give my grade just now. Pass it to you, sir. Well, I think this is another example of where the talent is diminished by the booking and the story going on around them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I agree. I thought that the, the match itself was okay, but we talked about it when it happened on the Raw after Nikki won the title. Um, we said, hey, you should have had one of the other three in the triple threat in this case it would have been Rhea Ripley interfere so that one of them didn't have to take the pin so now they do it well it's it's too little too late as far as I'm concerned that should have been happening all through this so no one gets protected the, the story just brings it down uh, the I'm sorry the booking is what brings it down the story itself is what it is but you know the, these booking decisions really leave me confused um, why you're waiting until now to start having disqualifications after you had Charlotte beat Nikki and then Nikki beat Charlotte just doesn't make any sense to me but you know overall it, it, I agree with you it did what it needed to do I gave it a C yep I went C minus you went C but goddamn. so that that was that was kind of an okay moment but the main event the main event main baby. event baby and I thought this was very good a very good return from randy orton would i say it was either of those guys best match no but it was no. it was a good match great return for randy did what it needed to do uh randy orton and aj styles locked horns uh for, and before this match just to set everything up properly randy told riddle hey i work alone don't interfere best of luck rk bro is no mo <laughs> Um, it's done, but against Randy's wishes, freaking uh, Riddle catches, uh, Riddle catches Omas in a rear naked choke. What happens is supposed to happen, which is Omas just powers him through, breaks the choke, is in just enough damage to where he cannot interfere in the match. Randy hits the RKO that he he did not get from earlier in the match. Randy wins after the match. We think that RK bro is back together. They give each other a nice big warm hug. Everything's good. Matt Riddle lifts his arm up. 
Lifts his arm up to the other side, or faces the way the crowd. Lifts Randy Orton's arm to the crowd again. Then catches an RKO. And here's what, this is why. For me, Randy Orton may not go down in history as one of the best heels of all time, but God damn it, he is one of the most reliable heels of all time. Because during this during this whole show, imagine this, if you were all about RK Bro, and I was, I was, I liked it. So I'm, uh, you know, that's one of our like disagreements. But I love me some RK. No, Bro. I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm actually getting into it. I was into it. I love me some RK, bro. So, what we saw was okay. First, you broke it up. You broke the fans' hearts. You gave them just enough to be to come back into it. Riddle to his credit can fire up a crowd. The crowd was all fired up into it. Yep. Broke their heart immediately after. God damn it, he's not. The best heel of all time, but he is the most reliable heel of all time. Fucking goosebumps, baby. Goosebumps. For me, great ending to the show. Um, if you watch pro wrestling long enough, you can kind of see the RKO coming. It's kind of similar to what they did with Sasha Banks uh, two weeks ago on SmackDown. Um but I, 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 I will save my grade and let you give your thoughts, sir. I, again, I agree. I think everything was well within character for him. I, you know, I, I love seeing the, the RKO out of the phenomenal forearm. I thought that was phenomenal. But I'm bumped. But I'm bumped. But again, this is, and I said this at the beginning, minor criticism, just based on how they ended it, this, this needs one more week. Yeah. And they just don't have it. And so... You know, like I said, I'm getting into it. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested to see more, but it really could have benefited from another week. But overall, I agree with everything you said. I gave it a B plus, and uh, just the letter grade being a B because, again, it, it need it really needs another week. And uh, you know, they, they they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do some leapfrogging co this coming Monday to get to where they're going. Yeah. Which is a shame because I'm actually enjoying this a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah B plus. To, to your credit, uh, my grade, A minus, and I don't think it's going to be as high next week because it is going to feel rushed. It's going to feel forced. One mm -hmm. of two things is going to happen. Either it's going to be some sh sort of schmoz where they're forced to work together again, or they, uh, I mean, so there's two ways they could go about it, right? Because they're, they got to come back together and give us that pop again, that RK bro pop. Now, do you force the two to be together as a team for SummerSlam because there's no matches and you force it and you get the RK bro pop there when you let Riddle pin Omos because he's lost twice to Omos and then this would be a respectable time for the babyface to come back, defeat the odds, and do it in such a way to where they can beat Omos but still make him a badass. Um, I'm hoping they're that smart. So you get the pop then or... Randy Orton has to save Riddle somehow, some way um, next week. They need that coming together moment to, to fight for the titles. Or maybe they come up with a better creative way than I just mentioned. But you got to have some kind of setup and resolution for SummerSlam. Well, how I would do it would be a little bit of the opposite, actually, which would be you have Riddle save Orton. Yeah. You know, you have Orton taking on Omas. Omas is is killing him, and then now here is where you let Riddle get one over on Omas. I don't think you have Riddle pin Omas. I don't think anyone should be pinning Omas yeah. anytime soon. 
if they lose the titles, it's going to be because Styles gets pinned. But um, I think the, the, the way that they've established the Orton character, I think it would need to be Riddle actually proving himself by saving Randy to get Randy to then say, okay, I'll, I'll team with your kid yeah. you know, to take them on at SummerSlam. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they answer because, like I said, they're going to have to do some leapfrogging a little bit this yeah, coming yeah. Monday. So, and, and hopefully it will not feel as rushed as they're making it out to be. But, uh, you know, I, it was good. I not to it. cut you I, off. I how they but, it. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Not to cut you off, but Seductive Steel came up with a take that neither one of us came up with. Oh, boy. What if Riddle RKO's Orton? And gets his respect that way. That that is that is an interesting take, and I that would be well within the Randy Orton character as well. I kind of seductive. Look at seductive steel. Who says that the the Slammer universe trademark pending um, doesn't come up with these great ideas? That I could actually see that happening. Well, well done, seductive steel. Seductive steel, good stuff. He's always there in the chat. He saved our ass yeah. a few times. We got to tip our hat to him. Also, I noticed this is a highly viewed pod, a highly viewed Twitch stream. If you're not following, please hit the follow button right now. We appreciate all of you wonderful folks who have tuned in so far. So, Steve, I'm gonna. I want to get your final thoughts on the program. What'd you think of Raw? Um, and what is your overall letter grade when you package everything together for this week? Well, so let's bring it home on on this episode of Raw, right? So for the pros, you know, Randy Orton and Riddle bookending the show and we being weaved throughout, I thought that was a positive. Sheamus and Damian Priest setting up the U.S. title match at SummerSlam, that's good. We don't have to see The Miz in a wheelchair anymore. That's also good. Ricochet gets seen and actually has a nice little showcase. Good. And we didn't talk about it, but and I don't think we need, necessarily need to, but there also was another little vignette where one Mr. Elias Oh, burned the guitar. And we will see if what comes for, you know, new and improved Elias. But with that, the, you know, the bad parts of the show, you know, I, I don't need to see Drew McIntyre and his sword anymore. Um, I don't need to see, and, and honestly, even though I'm slightly warming to Reggie a little bit, I don't need to, I don't need the only two people that can apparently skip shows to be Reggie and Baron Corbin. Yeah. Right, come on. Um, I don't need to see Jinder Mahal. Alexa Bliss and Dewdrop was was not good. And there's just there's just holding patterns everywhere uh, across the show. The booking of Karrion Cross continues to be mystifying. Um, and I didn't bring it up, but the really cheesy looking CGI Vipers. We, <laughs> we need to stop with the AR entrances. We really need to. But with that said. You know, the show, again, it's doing what it needs to do. There's there's a lot of apathy starting to set in with, with the crowd, so that's not good. But considering where they need to go, um, I g- actually gave the show a B plus. You gave it a B plus. Um, yeah. For the reasons that you have given in terms of the negatives, um, there was there there's definitely some holding patterns there. And for me... It's not good booking is not just about the next pay-per-view. You also got to have the pay-per-view after that and the pay-per-view after that. Like Heyman for Reigns has got five pay-per-views by my math already booked ahead of mm. schedule if you think about it. He he's got options for the next five pay-per-views that'll it's keep the product fresh. It's amazing what happens when you have somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. 100%. 
Now, I think, and this is why, and this is, calling MVP Paul Heyman light is not an insult. I think that's a fucking compliment because I'm referring to you as one of the best who's ever done it, and I think he can get to that level. But what I feel like is happening on Raw for the championship, this next pay-per-view is solid. But let's say that he goes Kofi, if he goes, if he gives him, if he gives Goldberg a Kofi-style beatdown, He's got no options. There's no opponents left for him unless they bring back somebody, but they've got nobody in the bullpen ready to go. What I appreciate about SmackDown versus Raw, there's guys in the bullpen ready to go for the next title shot. So for well, this maybe they're going to start maybe they're going to start a slow build towards bringing E in there. Uh, that's the only like I said, that's the only place I could really see them going right now because there's there's literally nobody else and and you can't bring McIntyre back at this point, so what are you going to do? The only thing, and this is, you know, I was going to save this for the SummerSlam prediction, but we say, you know, there's there's a lot of episode, a lot of talk here. What I could see them doing if they really wanted to push Lashley over, Lashley destroys Goldberg in front of his son. E comes out to cash in money in the bank and loses. Twice. So Lashley beats two guys in the same night. That would really put him over. Could be. But then... You got nobody left, so you're right. I think cash in money in the bank, do the babyface thing where you do it so you get the pay-per-view match that you want. Uh, e is a big guy. Um, you know, it's it, he. I think Lashley's going to beat him decisively, but it won't be as bad as what he did to Kofi. Um, I would like to see E take the belt, but he. I don't think his gimmick warrants him taking the title. Unless they do it for, unless it's like one of those one-off things like they did with Christian where, hey, you get the belt for a couple days, uh, but he'll get it back. Well, well and, and that's why it's going to be fascinating to see. That first Raw after SummerSlam is going to be fascinating. Yeah, so the reason why you went B+, correct? I did. I, I have to go, and this might be the most Steve Slammer thing I have done, but... Uh, I have to give it B minus, and the only reason is there's patterns that I'm seeing in SmackDown where there's a multiverse setup. Whereas I see Raw mm-hmm. as okay, we gotta fix something. Okay, we have gold here, but we don't know what to do with it, or we know what to do with it for the next two weeks. But SmackDown's prepared for the next two years if they want, right? So yeah, my 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 Stockholm syndrome, my Stockholm syndrome's starting to set in, so. I understand. It's getting us both. We see the crowd having fun. But what I will say is it got pops where they wanted to get pops. Uh, The crowd loved most of it, um, except for the T-Bar stuff and the Alexa Bliss stuff. But, yeah, B-minus for me, B-plus for you. What I'm happily seeing is each of the shows each week is slowly elevating its game up. So... There you have it. We just did another fantastic review of Monday Night Raw. If you enjoyed this program, please go to twitch.tv forward slash the Slammer Bros. And as as proven, when you put good stuff in the chat room, we will read it live. So follow us on Twitch. Never miss a show. Everything is live. If you can't catch us live, and you want to see our ugly mugs, you can check us out on YouTube. 
by subscribing to the Slammer Bros podcast page on YouTube. If you do watch our content there, please hit the like and leave a comment. That way we, we can help help us defeat YouTube, uh, the YouTube algorithm there. And then also, we are kicking some serious ass and taking some names on every platform that podcasts are available. Each show keeps getting more downloads, more tractions. We're currently a five-star show, and that's not all from our moms and friends. So we have a legitimate viewership now. You can follow me at Jack Slammer on... You can follow me on TikTok at OJackSlammer. You can follow us on TikTok at The Slammer Bros. And if you want to get into shape this week and freaking bring out the gun show... There it is. Go to jackslammer.com. I would love to help you get into shape. And also, we're going to be having uh, on jackslammer.com within the next four weeks are going to be a subscription plan so that if you want the workouts but you don't need custom coaching from me but you want the best workouts you've ever had with the best results you've ever had, there will be a low price option for you there and you will get a discount by mentioning this podcast. Steve Slammer. The baddest fucking podcaster in the world of professional wrestling. Where can these people follow you on social media? Well, sir, I am on the Instagram at Steve underscore Slammer. And uh, following that awesome promo you just did, that was, that was excellent, sir. Thank you very much. I'm starting to tap into it because I do have some fun announcements in the world of professional wrestling in a couple weeks. I don't want to give it away. But you might actually see Jack Slammer prepare for the world of professional wrestling. We will see. Who knows? Anyways, thank you again for another amazing episode. I love you. Steve loves you. And I'm sure somewhere in his cold, dark heart, Vince McMahon might actually tolerate you. Until next time, see you folks later. Bye-bye.